Awesome. Hey, well, welcome uh, to our uh, second Sunday here uh, in the new year. Uh, obviously, as many of you know, uh, we switched up our service times. We're going 9, we're going 1030, uh, and we're going noon. We're asking you to help us build the house, build the church. And uh, we operate with the simple belief that as long as there's a person without a church to call home, the pursuit has a reason to grow. And so thanks for being on the team and, and uh, helping us grow as, 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 as God has commissioned us uh, in this uh, season. This, this week, I uh, spent some time uh, away. Uh, I, I tried to take about a day off. My wife and I are, are uh, going to be having a baby a week from tomorrow. And so uh, we got away for uh, just a little overnight thing. And, and I, I committed to myself. I said, I'm not going to be on my phone I'm going to take a break from work, from email, from news, from all sorts of things, and it's going to be a nice, relaxing day. And that was on Tuesday and, and, and Wednesday. And uh, I always carry my phone with me just in case of emergencies, you know, just in case somebody got to get a hold of you, something happened with the kids. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting in the hot tub, my phone is just blowing up. It's text, it's calls, it's, and I, I have it turned over so I can't see it because I'm just thinking it's, it's no big deal. And, uh, but like for 20 or 30 minutes straight, I mean just about every 60 seconds, another call, another text. So finally I broke my own rule. I said I'm going to check my phone and figure out what's going on. And I thought to myself, one of two things is happening. Either the church is on fire or Washington, D.C. is on fire. <laughs> it turned out one of those was at least partially true. Uh, and obviously, if you haven't been living under a rock, you know that 2021 is uh, apparently living up to what we've experienced in 2020. Uh, with that being said, uh, we continue to pray uh, for our country, for the direction uh, of our nation. Uh, in 1 Timothy 2, Paul commands Timothy, who's the pastor of the church in Ephesus, he says, pray for those in authority. He doesn't say pray for those who you voted for. He doesn't say pray for the party that you like. He doesn't say pray for all of your favorite po politicians. He says pray for those who are in authority. And so that's a mandate that we have as believers. I want to encourage you in that context. We don't attach messianic hope to political platforms or political characters. Long after President Trump is out of office, Jesus will still be on the throne. Long after the next president is out of office, Jesus will be on the throne. And in a thousand years and in 10,000 years, Jesus will still be on the throne. And when we attach messianic hope to political people or political figures or political outcomes, all we set ourselves up to do is to be perpetually disappointed because there's nothing that can give you messianic hope outside of the Messiah. And he is the one who is with us. We celebrate the hope of glory that lives inside of us. And just let me remind you, again, I'm not, I'm not a political commentary. I'm not a news person. I came out of politics. I worked in the political field for about a decade and, and, uh, and then went into full-time ministry. So I have some expertise in that field, but I'm not. I don't give political commentary every Sunday. But just, just let me say this. God is not the God of chaos. He is the God of order. You know, it's easy to get mad at other people on the other side when they do other things. But what about when your side does some things that aren't so good either? And so let's be people who have integrity, who have ethic, uh, and who, uh, uh, you know, don't, uh, I, I gave my life to Jesus, not to the Republican Party. I gave my life to Jesus, not to the nation of America. I gave my life to Jesus. In him I live and move and have my being. And so for some of you, and, and I think me included, we all got to grow in this area. We all got room to develop in this area. But just let me encourage you. Don't, don't become just another political talking head. Your politics and your opinions will not change the world. Jesus can. 
And so let's invest in heavenly things. He has a kingdom that is unshaken. There's no coups in heaven. There was one a long time ago. All of them got kicked out. There's nothing going. There's no coups. Jesus is not threatened. He wasn't voted in. He can't be voted out. There's no popular opinion polls. He can't be impeached. In fact, he doesn't care about your opinion. He is the king on the throne. There is none other. There's none beside him. He is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And the governments of this world are becoming the territory of our God and of our king. So let me just remind you, get a little hope in your life. Get a little perspective in your life. And in doing so, uh, try to turn your phone off every once in a while as well, because that'll help. Except when everything gets lit on fire. But anyways, 1 Samuel, starting in chapter 16, uh, the Bible tells us a, a familiar story. Now, now, some of you, you've been raised in church or been around uh, Christianity in some form or another. You've heard the story of David. You've certainly read the story or have heard the story of David and Goliath. I want to challenge you this morning to hear it from a new perspective. As I talk about the necessity and the importance of you having an ongoing, active, living, breathing relationship with the Holy Spirit. We serve one God. He's made manifest in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is referred to as our comforter. Also as our ever-present help. Also as the one who guides and leads us into all truth. I don't know about you, but we need some comfort. We need some truth. We need some wisdom. We need some empowerment in our lives like never before. I've said this before, but honestly, it's true. The question is not, can you survive without the Holy Spirit? I mean, you, you can't even go shopping today without the Holy Spirit. You can't get online without the Holy Spirit. You got to pray in tongues the whole time. You're going to say something stupid. You, we need the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives like never before. We need to be translated out of dry, dead religion that focuses on do's and don'ts, that talks about the, that talks about the, the ocean but has no wind in their sails, talks about the wine but's got nothing in their wineskin. They talk about vessels but they got no oil in the house. We've got to come back to this idea that Jesus ascended into heaven and told us, wait, because I'm sending you the one who will give you power to live out the mission of God in your life. I'm telling you, we need the Holy Spirit like never before. Come on, we need the anointing of God in our lives. You need the anointing of God on your family, on your business. It levels the playing field. It gives you a competitive advantage in the world around you. It is what separates you from the crowd. It, it is what enables you to actually successfully be transformed into the image and into the likeness of Christ. And we see it not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament as well. Now, 1 Samuel 16, the Bible tells us this. So he sent for David, and he had him brought in. And he was glowing with health. He had a fine appearance, handsome features like some of you. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Watch. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Let me give you a little context for 1 Samuel 16. Samuel is operating as a prophet for the nation of Israel. He gives them divine structure, divine strategy, and divine wisdom. The people rebel against God's ordained order for the nation, and they ask God to give them a king. And who does God give them? Saul. And who do they get tired of real quickly? Saul. 
And then they begin to rebel against Saul and ask God to give them another king. And so God's eyes are searching to and fro throughout the earth on who he may put his anointing upon. The Bible says of Saul, David's predecessor, that the anointing had left him and he knew it not. And if anything could describe the state of our churches in our world today, it's that the anointing has departed and we knew it not. If the Holy Spirit left the church, my God, would anybody notice? I can't help but sit through a worship service like we just had this morning and think to myself, that's impossible without the Spirit of God. It's impossible to tap in to what God is doing in that way without His Spirit working in our lives. Friend, we need the Spirit of God to be living, breathing, active in our daily discipleship, in our weekly communal gatherings, in our yearly events, in such a way that when the world looks at the church, what they see is not an emaciated, mainline, dead, empty, pube, no power pulpit, but instead people who actually believe the words that they're reading. I dare you today to actually believe the words that we're reading. Come on, when you dare to believe what God has said to be true about your life, it changes everything. Do you know that God has given us authority over sickness, disease, infirmity, and demons? That's why every week I go after it. Every week I go after healing. Every week I go after freedom. Every week I go after deliverance. Because I refuse to live below the level of authority God has given me. And we understand that we can use that authority because the Spirit of God has given us continual access. It's the hope, it's the glory, and it lives inside of us. Now, 1 Samuel 16, Samuel's looking for the next king of Israel. He finds David. David is the last of Jesse's sons, number eight. He's got seven before him. And Samuel goes to Jesse and says, Jesse, one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. And Jesse's pretty excited. And he brings out the first and the second and the third and so on, all the way through the seventh. And every time God speaks to Samuel and says, this is not the one that I've chosen. And finally, Samuel says to Jesse, are you sure... You don't have any other kids. I don't know about you, but, you know, it kind of seems a little ridiculous to us. But if you've been raised in church, you've been left by your parents at church more than once. <laughs> so don't be acting like you're better than Jesse because we've all been in that season before. How many kids do I got? What are their names? Who are they with? Who, are they mine? Where, where are they at? And Jesse says, well, come to think of it, I got one out in the field. He's just taking care of the sheep, though. He's my last born. Nah, it's certainly not him. But the prophet said, no, bring him. Let's just see. Let's just check. Let's just, just, I'm already here. Just bring out the boy from the field and let him walk in front of me. And as soon as David walks in front of the prophet Samuel, the Lord speaks and says, God looks not at the outward, but at the inward. And God says to Samuel, this is the one that I'll put my anointing upon. Friend, I want you to see something. What happened in 1 Samuel 16 would begin a 15-year journey prior to David ascending to the throne. And I want you to know that the greater the destiny, the longer the development. If you find yourself in a season of waiting today, you're in good company. David was a waiter. Moses certainly was waiting. Jesus certainly was waiting. You know, we live in such an instant society, unless it's posted online, unless it happens in the next day, we feel like utter failures. 
But what if God is interested in something more than the stroking of your ego? What if he's interested in more than just you having a snapshot to put on Instagram? What if he's actually interested in something so deep that it affects the generations? What if you got to wait another 15 years, but it will affect the destiny of a nation? It's worth it to wait until the anointing does its deep work in your life. Well, I got a prophetic word, and it didn't happen yesterday, so I guess God ain't faithful. No, the problem isn't with God's faithfulness, it's with yours. Give it time. Let it work. Let the Spirit of God do some deep things inside of you. Let Him matriculate and develop and plant some seed in the soil. Let Him water it and let Him walk you through seasons of good and seasons of bad and seasons of faith and seasons of doubt. Let Him take you through a valley of the shadow just so you can get to the mountain. Let Him season you by His Spirit so when you get where you're going, you've got everything that you need. It took 15 years, but the anointing did its work. You can skip a lot of things. You can skip a grade. You can skip a workout. You can skip a meal. You can skip a payment, but you can't skip the anointing. I want to utilize an illustration for you this morning. When you get born again, then the Spirit of God, Adam, come up here. You get born again, the Spirit of God comes to live inside you. Every person who is called upon the name of your, the Lord, believed in their heart and confessed with their mouth, the Spirit of God lives inside you. Just hold this here. And when you get born again, it's like the Spirit of God fills you up. Comes inside you. The fullness of who God is. The hope of glory takes residence in your life. This is exciting, and it's great, and it's like, man, I just feel new, and I feel light, and I feel like something came off of me, and I feel like my eyes are open for the first time, and what you are sensing in the physical is the result of something that has happened in the spiritual. You've been filled up with the Spirit of God. But when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like taking what's full and dunking it in water. And all of a sudden, what is in you is now all around you and come upon you for the work of the ministry, the empowerment of your public witness, the development of your spiritual maturity. You go from just having it in you to now having it all around you. And I believe that that's what's happening in 1 Samuel 16. David was already a man after God's own heart. David was already a boy raised in the covenantal faith. David was already a follower of Yahweh. David was already found with favor in God's eyes. David was already submitted and serving his father. David was already doing what God had asked him to do. But when Samuel anointed him with oil, what was on him now became all around him. And it began a journey of development in such a way that it didn't just transform him, but everything that he touched. I want you to know, friend, today the missing component from your life is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now watch, watch, watch what happens. Fast forward, David uh, uh, has this uh, experience in, 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 in 1 Samuel 17. The Bible records that David is sent by his father to bring rations to his brothers who are engaged in conflict against the nation of the Philistine army. And the Philistines have a particular champion that they would send out into the valley to fight their battles, and his name was Goliath. And oftentimes in ancient conflict, instead of both 
armies battling each other until there was incredible losses. They would nominate a champion from both sides. And they would meet in the valley. And whoever was the victor of that singular battle, the other nation would serve them. So Goliath is in the valley of Elah. He's calling out to the armies of Israel. Who will fight? Who will you send down as your champion to defeat me? David shows up and he's just dropping off cheese and bread. It's just a common task. But common tasks are always wrapped in significant opportunities. Can I tell you the doorway to significance is wrapped in commonality. Sometimes people are like, man, I can't show up unless it's significant. Well, if you can't show up unless it's significant, then it's not about him. It's about you. See, we serve when nobody else is looking. We grind when nobody else is looking. We serve the Lord and give, and, and, and we don't have to celebrate it or talk about it or post about it or be affirmed because we know that it's the common obedience that sets us up for uncommon results. And I want you to know here, if the only time that we can follow Christ is when we are affirmed by people around us, we're setting ourselves up for short-term Christianity. And I want you to know, man, whether the world is with me or the world is against me, and, and I think the world is, 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 is probably not with us, you know, as, as, as much as maybe we have thought before. Our dedication is to be followers of Jesus. And I'm going to do the simple things. I'm going to do the simple things like being at church. I'm going to do the simple things like tithing. I'm going to do the simple things like serving. I'm going to do the simple things like a year Bible reading plan. I'm going to do simple things that don't feel significant, but that actually create a ripple effect in the pond of my destiny and knowing that faithfulness echoes to greater faithfulness. Significance is always wrapped in commonality. And David is just dropping off cheese and bread. Sees Goliath running his mouth in the valley. He talks to his brothers around him who are there to fight the battle. He says, is there not a cause? Do you know that God will introduce you to conflict to cause questions that have been sitting on, 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 on kind of the bottom of the pond to rise to the surface? And God introduces David to national conflict. And what comes out of David is this. Is there not a cause? Is there not something that we ought to fight for? Is there not something that we ought to do? Is there, not, is there not something in our lives that has enough courage to go after what God has given us? Remember, God had given Israel a chunk of land. But not only had he given them a chunk of land, he gave them a mandate to subdue the land that they were given. And that land was filled with a lot of challenges that look like giants. And in doing so, God has prepared and equipped his people with his spirit to handle what looks like insurmountable conflict. But Fred, can I tell you, we can pray for exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or think all the time. But until you recognize that God will put you in the midst of exceedingly abundantly more than you could ask or think challenges to reveal his exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or think blessing, you'll reject what God gives. Well, I just want God to give me all the blessing without any of the conflict. But see, that's not how it works. Because the anointing of God is a function of the pressing and the pressure of your life. That's how they made anointing oil back when this book was written. It was the idea that the olive press would take the olives and it would grind them together. It would press them together. And out of the pressing and the crushing of the olives, the olive oil would flow. Do you know that some of the deepest development of your spiritual life will come through the hardest seasons of your natural life? 
And you'll be like, God, do you love me anymore? And I'm having a faith crisis, and I don't even know what to do, and I don't know where to go from here, and I thought you loved me. And you'll have all these questions, and some of them you'll never get answers to. But when you make a commitment to stand, and after you've done everything to stand, to continue to stand, what you'll see is that there is a God who responds with the fullness of his spirit when we ask him. And what we'll see is that in the valley of the shadow, in the darkest moments of my life, God has responded with the most precious oil, the most precious anointing. In 1 Samuel 17, David finds himself in this very unique circumstance. The Bible says in verse 38, So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet on his head. He clothed him with a coat of mail. And David took his sword and fastened it to his armor. But the Bible says he tried to walk, but he couldn't, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And he took a staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling which was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. The Bible says that David, he picked up five smooth stones but he only used one to defeat Goliath. And what some of you don't recognize is that if you fast forward to 2 Samuel 21, it tells us the genealogy of Goliath. And do you know that Goliath had one ugly brother and three ugly sons? One of them had six fingers, ugly, ugly Philistine giants. I believe in 1 Samuel 17, God is prophetically preparing David for 2 Samuel 21. He's saying, I'm not just giving you a stone for the giant that you face today, but for the four that you don't even know are behind him. See, God has already given everything that you need for you to be successful in this mission of life. And what I recognize is that the plan of the enemy oftentimes is to attach familiar spirits to moments of injury. Like, I have a moment of trauma, and then all of a sudden, I got anger that comes on my life. I got a moment of unforgiveness, and all of a sudden, sickness comes upon my life. I've got a moment of anxiety, and all of a sudden, I find myself facing depression. I go through something difficult. I experience something real in my life. And all of a sudden, the enemy who loves to piggyback on the back of pain all of a sudden tries to attach somebody's ugly brother or somebody's ugly son or ugly cousin to the trauma that I already experienced. But what you got to recognize is that the same God who heals also delivers. The same God who delivers also raises from the dead. The same God who resurrects also empowers your resources. So every familiar spirit that the enemy's tried to attach to your moment of trauma, God's already given you a smooth stone to defeat. You know, when you start unpacking trauma... How interesting it is to find all the ways it's connected in different parts of your life. From things like family systems, from things like uh, 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 mental health, from things like physical health, from things like socio-emotional systems, from things like countries of origin, things that people have experienced. And in a therapeutic setting, sometimes it can feel overwhelming, like, man, where does this end? But what I do know is this, even when I don't know where my trauma ends, I know what God has equipped me with for the battle that lies ahead. And I'd love to be able to pray for you at the altar today and say that you'll never deal with that thing again. And I don't know if that's true, but what I do know is this. When you get prayer at the altar, you receive stones for the battles that God knows that you're going to face. Now, I don't know how many giants are attached to your sickness, but God's given you a stone to defeat each and every one of them. And I love how it says of David that he drew near. He went down to the brook. And he took for himself five smooth stones. 
Do you know that stones don't get smooth overnight? You go to the river today in Snohomish and you pull out a smooth stone. It didn't go in jagged last week. Stones don't get made smooth in moments of passion. Stones get made smooth with a commitment to stay in the river. I'm telling you today, when you make a commitment to stay in the river... There is a God who is working in the water and he is working all things together for the good of those who love him. And he takes the jagged edges and he makes them smooth. He takes the heart of stone and he makes it a heart of flesh. He takes the low and he exalts them. He takes those who are on the miry clay and he sets them on the firm foundation. And what's our commitment? To stay in the river. And friend, that's why all of hell wages war against your commitment to Christian community. That's why all of culture wants you to deconstruct your commitment to a local church. Because if the enemy can take you out of the river, you might feel like it's a promotion but God knows there's more work left undone. Brandon, more work for God to do in your life. In the river of God, where does it flow from? His throne. And what does scripture say? Everything that is planted next to the river comes to life. See, we get life from the river. And some of us are wondering, God, where's my promotion? When are you going to help me out? When are you going to take me? And when's my next thing? When's that door going to open? And, and we got this kind of nervous, chronic anxiety attached to our faith. And can I tell you, maybe the most important decision you'll ever make is when everything tells me to jump out of the river, I stay in the water. And as we're connected to the river of life, it flows and it brings redemption wherever it goes. Let me end here. One of the things that I like to do at times, I like to read different medical journals, scientific journals that sometimes coordinate with stories in the Bible. I was reading this week a medical journal out of Belfast, Ireland. And a group of scientists and doctors got together to study the story of 1 Samuel 17. And let me communicate to you what they discovered. They believe that the result of Goliath's giant growth and enormous size was the result of a pituitary tumor. You guys place the picture on the screen. A pituitary tumor placing pressure on this part of his brain. Watch. Because of the placement of this tumor, even when people are real tall today and they have like an abnormal growth, Oftentimes their, their lifespan is, is relatively short if it's the result of a tumor attached to the pituitary gland. Pituitary gland is what controls the hormones associated with growth. So secular scientists are studying this passage of scripture. Watch, this is so interesting. The optic nerve is right next to the pituitary gland. Scientists have said that as that tumor may have been growing in Goliath's brain, it would have made it difficult or impossible for him to have lateral vision, meaning he never even saw the stone. Giants look impressive in terms of stature, but may not have the speed and agility to match their perceived strength. David, having agility, 
particularly having declined the heavy set of armor that was offered to him and being skilled at slingshots, may have found a way around the fearsome looking giant by firing a slingshot from the side of the battlefield. Although Goliath was scary, he lacked the key component that God's people have, vision. And scripture says, watch, without vision, people perish. I thought, man, there's more to this story than we think. You got some giants in your life today, but I've got good news. They can't see what you see. They don't know what you know. It may be 10 times bigger than you could ever imagine, but God's given you a secret weapon, the ability to see things from his perspective. And that's why it's so important that you find yourself in an active, ongoing relationship by which the Holy Spirit has the freedom to open your eyes to things that are previously unseen. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in battle for the pulling down of giants or the pulling down of strongholds. Goliath couldn't see, but David could. For you and me today, God has given us insight in this moment, in this church, in this season, to see what others can't. Where people saw challenge, we saw opportunity. Where people saw a dead region, we saw the potential for revival. Where people saw an old J.C. Penney, we saw a church where people saw an old section for jeans and clothes and sweaters. We saw an altar and a stage. When people just saw a messy building, we saw the potential for something to be beautiful. What other people saw as only problems, we saw as potential. Why? Because we have what others don't. The ability to see things from God's perspective. And friend, that is our weapon in this season. Why? Because God's given you the land. That's not in question. The question remains for you and I. Will we now subdue the territory that he's given us? Friend, God has given us the region. My God, he has given us the region. And there are going to be some giants with some brothers and some cousins and some family. But they all come down at the mighty name of Jesus. And he's given us resources. You know what each and every one of you are in these seats today, watching online at this broadcast today? You are smooth stones in God's slingshot. And with the vision to see what's next, we fill ourselves with faith. We encourage ourselves in the Lord, knowing that our best days aren't behind us, but instead ahead. Come on, would you stand with me as we close? Fred, this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to get prayer, to get filled up on faith, to get filled up by His Spirit. I love what Samuel the prophet does. The Bible says he takes the horn of oil. And he dumps it on David's head. Now, I'm not going to dump this on any of your heads today. You're already oily enough. It's just, you know, I want you to have a breakout. But just oil is symbolic. There's no magic in this oil. But it's symbolically representative of the power of God's spirit, not just to fill you up on the inside, but to surround every part of you on the outside. We want to submit ourselves today to the work and to the beauty of God's anointing. Come on, as we close in prayer, when I say amen, if you feel it in your heart, you say, Pastor, I want prayer. 
I want the anointing of God's spirit in my life. Here's the picture that I got during the first service. It's like a sailboat in the middle of a lake and the winds died down. And you feel like I'm just kind of coasting. I mean, I'm here, I'm in the boat, I'm on the water, it's good, but I'm just kind of coasting. I'm just kind of listless. I'm just kind of here and, you know, maybe the wind picks up, maybe it doesn't. And here's what I heard the Lord say in the first service. I am filling the sails of my saints again. And if you feel like you're in a boat and you just ain't going anywhere and you feel like I'm stuck and God, what are you doing? And I need breakthrough in my life. Come on, it'd be a good day to just get anointed with a little oil and let's stand in the presence of God and let him do his best work in our lives. And let's consecrate 2021 to the Lord. Friend, there's gonna be some giants. There's gonna be some more news stories. There's gonna be some more problems, some more challenges. But this is what we were made for. You weren't made for the comfort of the shore. You were made for the adventure of the sea. You weren't made to just exist in a spiritual rest home the rest of your life. Friend, we were made for hardship. We were made for adversity. Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we honor you. God, we thank you that you are at work in the hearts and lives of your people. And now we say, Jesus, do your best work in us. God, we humble ourselves under your hand. We know that our strength is small. But when we partner with God, nothing will be impossible for you. So God, today, may your strength be made manifest in our weakness. And God, we surrender to you. We say now, fill us to overflowing. And do your best work in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, friend. If you're here today and you feel it in your heart, and there's a tug on your heart, I want prayer before I leave. Just come to the altar quick. Come on, let me pray for you. Let me prophesy over you. And, and uh, I'd love to, love to be able to partner in faith. If not, God bless see a lot of you real soon. Would you help me out? Would you invite a friend? Come on, would you tell them? This service is about full, but we got a noon and a 9 a.m. with a little bit of room, but would you let a friend know? Come on, let's build the house of God together. Come forward if you want prayer. If not, you're released. God bless you.